Welcome to episode three. The title of this episode is called The Mindset. My name is Linda Metcalf, and I'm the author of Counseling Toward Solutions, the first book written about the solution-focused school in 1995, now in its third edition on Amazon.com. Today, we're going to talk about what Mr. Smith must have been thinking or doing that led him to do something so different for Joey in the first episode. What might he have been thinking on that day? I wonder. After all, a student comes in, disrupts his class, goes out, comes back with a discipline pass, and is very disrespectful when he spat on his shoe. Yet Mr. Smith took time to think and possibly just do something different on that day that turned everything around for both he and for Joey. To become a solution-focused educator and do such things that Mr. Smith did takes a different mindset. And that mindset is not about questions, and it's not about strategies. It's a way of looking at people. When you look into the students' eyes of the students that are in your school, in your classroom, in your counseling office, very often you see despair, you see frustration, you see anger. They also come with a variety of labels. Some are labeled ADD, some are labeled oppositional, some are labeled depressed, some are labeled traumatized. We could think about them that way, and if we did, most of us would get depressed ourselves. So what the solution-focused mindset means is, in spite of these labels, in spite of the experiences of our students, we see something different. We see another human across the room struggling to figure things out. And our job is to find a way in. Insu Kimberg used to refer to that as stepping into the worldview of the client. That's really what Mr. Smith did that day. He stepped into the worldview of Joey. Somehow, it must have taken a lot of thinking on his part. But when he did, there was less resistance with Joey. And he was able to get Joey to sit down and at least begin to cooperate with what was going on in his class. By looking at students this way, by having a mindset that every student who walks in your classroom has the ability, that every student who walks into your counseling office with a complaint has an ability, that every teacher who knocks at your door wanting you to fix a student has the ability, as do the parents and administrators. But what do we do to earn that mindset? The first thing I'd like for you to think about doing is do less. That's it. Just do less. It's very easy when people come to us as educators, counselors, administrators, of thinking, okay, I've just gotten a complaint. I've got to do something. Instead, consider talking to the person who made the complaint. Asking that person questions such as this. Miss Smith, I know you have been referring Anne to me several times this past week. But you know what? It is January. And this is the first time I've really heard you complain about Anne. And Anne has been in your classroom since August. What have you been doing to keep Anne on track these months? And then that same administrator might even talk to Anne. Anne, this is the first time I've heard from you and the first time your teacher has referred you to me this year. What have you been doing all these months to maintain staying on track, doing okay in the classroom? What a different idea, huh? What a different kind of mindset. What would that administrator have to have as a mindset? Well, I think that administrator maybe 
has the mindset that he can trust the teacher and trust the student because after all, there are times when that student has not been referred and there's times when that teacher has not been in his office. We call those in solution-focused work exceptions, times when the problem is not as big, times when the problem does not occur as often because there within the exceptions are some solutions. Those are gaps in a story that is being portrayed to you. The same thing happens if you're at an RTI meeting or a team meeting and you begin to hear labels about kids and it happens. For teachers who have never learned about the solution-focused approach, that's the way they describe their students. They're interested in finding out what's wrong in order to help the student do better. And sometimes that leads to describing them in ways that are not especially flattering. We hear those things, and our teachers are human. It just happens. But what if one of you who is a teacher, or one of you who is a school counselor, looked up at the team, heard them describing, let's say, Peter a certain way, and you said, you know, this is one way to describe Peter, but here's the thing. This is the first time we've had to staff about Peter. He is a ninth grade student, and this is the first time that anyone has brought up any kind of concern about him, and it's only in two of his classes, and he's taking six classes. What's happening in those other four classes? Who in here has him for the other four classes? Very often when a question like this is given to a group of teachers who are talking about a student they have a concern about, they get pretty quiet. But let's imagine that the school counselor continues on, and she waits, or he waits. And slowly, there will be someone who maybe is teaching one of those four classes who said, well, what I've noticed about Peter is that I have to push him a little bit, but I've learned that the best way to push him is to talk to him before he comes into class. And then I might touch base with him one time while he's working on some things. And so far, he's turned things in for me. Another teacher might say, well, he likes it when I ask him to do things for me. He seems to enjoy feeling important, so I try to do that occasionally. And then another teacher may say, well, I have him sit up front because when he sits in the back, there are some kids who joke around and he's easily distracted. Then the school counselor or the administrator or the teacher who's leading the meeting can say, huh, so we've got these three exceptions and these are times when he does slightly better. I wonder, would you all mind trying this out just for the rest of this week. And by the way, what if I go get Peter for a minute and let him sit in here for a second and hear some of the things we're going to be trying out for him? Would that be okay with all of you? Again, you may get some very perplexed looks, but go get Peter because you know, Peter is one of the most important people that needs to be in that meeting. Imagine being Peter sitting in a room with six teachers where one is beginning to talk about the ideas that they've been learning about you and how you learn best and how you are more successful in class. Imagine hearing that those six people are now willing to try out some of those ideas for a few days as an experiment so that you could be more successful. Most students who hear ideas like this in a meeting often leave with a different mindset. 
You see, the solution-focused mindset is not just for teachers and staff members and for parents. It's for students, too. And when we change our mindset, it gets contagious, and students begin to have a different mindset as well. All that amounts to is the relationship between teachers and student change. And when that changes, there's a ripple effect, and things get better. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Try it out this week. Try a different mindset toward a student and see what happens for both you and your student.